Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 155. I'm your host, David Palermo. Follow along on numbbillsfan.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And right now, it's going to roll into a conversation of Mike Smith trying to call me on some crap about tickets. And Mike's still on the line as I add this. So here it is. Just going to dive right into it. So have some patience before Bills talk. What, what do you, what do you want from me? Like, what are you trying to get from me right now? Hey, Dave, how you doing, buddy? Let's start there. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. So my tickets are level three thirty one, row Upper six. Level. Okay. And so, where did you find these cheap tickets? StubHub. Okay. So, like, you don't love me, man. You don't want to just support. You don't want to support your dog. You know, I get you. Uh, you know, I try to. Try to get your wonderful thoughts into the ethos, you know, into the atmosphere, and uh, you know, the fancy expert. So, so wait. In return for me giving my amazing thoughts and adding viewership and listeners to your programming, I thus have to now come out of my pocket, spend more money on tickets. You're losing me, Dave. Mike, I, I, I didn't. Mean, I mean, you're probably the, going up. You've probably gone up from like 200 listeners to a thousand. You know, since I jumped on a couple, so you know that's got to be worth a fortune. You should be just giving me tickets. You should be like, "Wow, Mike, you're fucking game changer." Here you go. You're now proud season ticket holder. But you know, I, I'm not asking for nothing. Either, I just like know? to take money and throw it out the window. You know, and um, apparently I do that with season tickets with three of them because I'm a hoarder. And uh, I, don't yeah, even, well, I don't even know my girlfriend. On. My girlfriend, I what? think, is coming this Sunday, so that's why I didn't reply to you. So, I mean, I don't know if you and Tommy, because you and Tommy Guns, who's a guy I may or may not have lent 500 bucks to on your accord that said, hey, uh, you know, maybe don't lend maybe don't lend money to a fucking compulsive gambler. Then I go, Mike, is he hey. good for it? You go, yeah. And, and, and you hey. told me, yeah, before hey. the compulsive hey. gambler part. You told me compulsive gambler hey. after the fact. And I got to trust your you? fucking judgment that you and Tommy, Tommy Big Joke here. Did he pay you? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I got to accept this call. Hold on. Kevin. What's up, Dave? One sec. All right. Hello? Yo. Mike, you there? I'm here. All right. So, Mike, uh, Kevin, you're in the middle of an argument right now with uh, Mike, the fantasy expert. And, uh, okay. He's, uh, and, Mike, I did just press record about two minutes ago. So, if you want to take it down, go fuck yourself. So, uh, we're in the middle of how Mike wants to hustle me for two fucking tickets here. And, you know, oh, I can find him in the lower bowl for 50, 15 bucks. And <laughs> like, 50 bucks. I'm just saying, right now, StubHub and people, the other fans of the Buffalo Bills Mafia, they're not exactly too high on this game. And they're selling their tickets pretty cheap. I'm not going to overspend on your tickets when other Mafia members have a nice discounted $25, $30 a ticket. Shit, I can sit lower end zone. I mean, it's an end zone hey, seat, Kevin, but it's lower Hey, Kevin, hey, Kevin, did you know, bucks. Kevin, I like to support my friends, man. I love to... You know, if there's a way we can make things happen, and Mike's a good dude. Mike, Mike has helped me out a lot, honestly, in the past. The and greatest guy in the world. He's the first well, guy. He's quite. the first guy, or may or may not have brought to a job site, because I don't bring people to work. But he's the first guy that I've ever seen on a job site show up in fucking sandals to do construction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, for the record, Kevin, for the record, and Dave's not the only person that gets this misconstrued. I don't wear sandals, okay? I wear flip-flops. Air they're Jesus all day. They're, Air they're Jesus. Different. You make Air Jesus look jealous. You got your own line. They're worried that you're okay. going to bust out with I your own line of Air Jesus. flip-flops. And not only do I wear Bullshit. flip-flops, I wear them till they die, okay? <laughs> so the pair that I wore to Dave's work site, they were Reeboks, and I had already once on a job stepped on a board with a nail in it and i had to go get um one of those shots for um tetanus. what is it tetanus yeah that's the one and they don't tell you but i'll tell you that when they go to clean out the wound for tetanus they they put saline in there 
now I was like, yeah, that's fine. Sprayed in there. Well, she didn't tell me she was going to have a needle hooked up to the saline solution that's in a syringe, and she was going to stab me inside my open wound. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Let's numb the foot. Because at first, I was about to be like, no, just do it. And then she stabbed me in the open wound, and it hurt really bad. And I was just like, no, let's not do this. You have three more syringes there that are full. You didn't finish the first one, so let's let's change this up a little bit. Did but you yeah, eat no, a Did you it, eat a rusty nail and shit out of your foot? Like I'm taking a couple notes here, and I'm like wondering what the fuck are you talking about? I stepped. There was a, a nail in a board, and I stepped on the board in which the rusty nail was sticking out, and it went through my flip flop, through my well, not all the way. I'll tell you what, I can get you foot. a guaranteed path two seats where you won't have to worry about any rusty nails and i got one seat available i don't think my girlfriend's going and i mean it's for the the fair market value of 85 dollars because i mean Ooh. kevin hey kevin have you ever heard of fantasy smitty before he was on the numb bills fan podcast um, um I, I, hmm. I can't say i, I hmm. did but that doesn't mean what is that, that but but mean. his his yeah, thought kevin mean, kevin is a billion people in the yeah, world yeah but here's I'm the sure deal though heard of a whole lot of other people too Dave. oh well to the 30 people that we're reaching right now Listen, okay, um, I'm telling you, Michael, you have great thoughts. Kevin, now, you know, you got some real analytics to back up your bullshit now. You know what I mean? You got real stuff to back up. You're on the line with Kevin Masseri, the, the, the expert, okay? This is my go-to. He's always DTF, a.k.a. always down to podcast. You know, What's like, great is actually we have a big internal... Once again, I don't know the topic of this argument. I don't know if you're just talking about. No, prices, no, but. I just press record. But if you guys like want to talk about the bills, Mike, you got oh, a minute. Okay. Mike's got no life. So, uh, Kevin, what's going on? Welcome to podcast number one fifty-five uh, of Numb Bills Fan. So, uh, um, Mike, uh, you're done, right? We'll talk tickets later, or we can yeah, digress I mean, into whatever. it. Like I have been drinking and I just ate dinner and you call me with this nonsense trying to charge $85 for a ticket that's worth 30 bucks. It's ridiculous. I thought you it know? would be awesome to talk to you and uh <laughs> I mean so so um anyways um Mike we talked last podcast about the Bills. We called it no traction as Bills lose to the Jets. Is it was our immediate reaction after the game. Um, where do you sit with it? And then, Kevin, if you want to piggyback on his thoughts with whatever you think and or know, um, let me know. So, like, how do you sit with well, this game coming up, Mike? Going forward, I mean, the Bills are 4-0 at home, and they're 1-3 on the road. So, it's a home game. We play well at home. Um, yeah, uh, that quarterback... Drew Brees or something's coming to town. I think a couple people know about him. But, I mean, he can't be much better than anybody else. And uh, I think we got a shot. But uh, it's not going to be easy at the cap this weekend. That's for sure. Hmm. So, what do you think there, Kevin? Analytically, um, I'll say... There's a couple things to look at. They're missing one of their their best joker players and Kenny Vaccaro, who's a guy that they use exclusively in run stop, uh, who's actually one of the best run defenders in the league that you would actually know. Um, that's he's kind of, their defense kind of runs through him. He's out. Um, so they're going to have to do different things. You use their different safety looks and different nickel packages. He's in on nickel. He's actually nickel corner starting safety. Um, they use him in pass rush. He's a big piece to their defense. So um, just missing one piece in a game could be a big deal for the saints defense. Who's, you know, they're revamped, but their defensive line actually ranks as well as any defensive line I've seen this year. So um, you have to, you know, account for that. Outside of that, man, I, I really think that there's potential on the offensive side of the ball. Um, adding in Charles Clay, who actually statistically, the Bills' offense moves at a tune of 110 yards, plus we've calculated about six to eight points difference when Charles plays in the lineup. Really? I mean, at home, the Bills are putting up ridiculous points. Hey, Mike, are you done heavy breathing over there? I'm, it's a thing. It's a nasal thing. I haven't deviated something. I'm sorry, everybody in the world. That's so, okay. It's a okay. thing I do. Um, I'll, I'll back off the mic. So what do you guys think about the, the cadet kid coming in at running back they picked up? And when I got educated about him, it makes so much sense. He seems very versatile. Yeah. More... 
You're, are you talking about for the Bills? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. For 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 the, for the Bills at running back, he used to play for the Bears. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, it, he's a receiving back, Dave, um, through and through. Um, he was said to be wanted by a couple of different teams, wanted back by the Jets. Um, the Patriots were involved. I think the even the Saints had come calling once he had gotten recut. Um, he's not going to present much in the running game. He's going to give you a little bit out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, something that Tolbert kind of lacks. So you're going to kind of be able to combine the two in Tolbert and Cadet and kind of come up with a backup running back. Um, but he's still not going to present you much on, on a running situation. He's going to be a special teamer as well. So you're going to really get a replacement for Taiwan Jones and a better pass catcher. Yeah, I'm with him on that. I mean, Cadet is he's essentially a running receiver. So he's not going to... He's not going to take the carries. I mean, unfortunately, Tolbert's still going to get those carries. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully they will not have Tolbert just back there when it's complete passing situations. Hopefully Cadet can come in and now uh, take some of the receptions that Tolbert was allotted last week. Um, but, you know, we don't, we don't call the plays, so we'll have to just wait and see. You'd think the move, they were interested in him in the offseason too. You would think the move basically says they've, they've realized that um, Colbert cannot take passing snaps and that they're going to replace him with Cadet. Actually, if you look at it, the Bills use more running backs and tight ends and passing routes than just about any team in the NFL. Um, and you wouldn't really know it because they're, you know, without Clay, you wouldn't think it. But actually, Nick O'Leary's in on most passing routes. So interesting. And um, they send LaShawn McCoy out as much as just about any running back in the league. So yeah. He's going to get more. He's going to get tired than anything just because the touches aren't always there. But he's, he is playing, you know, 90% of snaps, especially in passing downs. No, absolutely. And Cadet can definitely not only come out of the backfield, but he too can line up in the slot. And a player like that can move him around. I mean, motion is tougher to guard out of the backfield, uh, especially with the matchups he can present with the linebackers. So he could be in line for, um, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go crazy, but if he gets a few a few catches, he can make some big plays and maybe convert a first down here or there, catch a screen um, to give the offense a hand. But honestly, the offense is biggest problem is going to be guarding Cameron Wake. I mean, if we can, if we can put tabs on him, um, it should make everything go a little smoother this weekend. I'll be honest. Jordan? I, I, you mean Cameron Jordan? Yeah, Cameron Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, he's ninety ranked PFF player. He's one of the best defensive ends in the league. He's going to get a chance to go up against Jordan Mills. Um, that's not. That's not going to be very fun. Um, and actually, a statistic I'm running now um, shows that the Bills actually keep tight ends to uh, block less than any other team in the league, um, which you wouldn't assume. So that could be a night, and that's what the Jets took advantage of last week. They actually saw the Bills only keeping five in the block and sent five every single play. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think one thing with the Bills, though, offensively, that's that's really a bother to me. And Mike, if you can go somewhere quieter, please, please, please. I love you, but um, maybe it's just because I have headphones on. But uh, no, it's it's actually the fact that I'm trying to pour myself a drink right now and I'm in the kitchen. But it's okay, it's okay. I just want to. I'd rather make you aware of it. Um, it sounds good. Um, so I was gonna say, you know, one thing with this offense, Kevin. When I texted you a topic I had, and I wanted to roll a cadet into this. Charles Clay coming back. Uh, looks like Cordy Glenn is is out. Um, again, short week turnaround type shit. I mean, I know the Jets had to go through it, but Cordy Glenn had to go through a lot of stuff. Um, so anyways, um, this offensive line, it, it seems like they've been putting in a lot of work before and after practice, um, getting together, which is great, you know, and I like that this team has some pride to it. But one thing is, is this offense, this offensive coaching staff is, seems to me at least, Kevin, very scared to, um, make adjustments in game you know what i mean and it's like one thing i don't get is we all talked about it it's like what are these people doing you're slowly acclimating calvin benjamin and like get him on the fucking field if the game is about mismatches get him on the field even the last game against it's like come on guys like stop like you said mike last podcast and if mike if you uh want to lead off with this and kevin can piggyback what with what he has um, it's like, Mike, we talked about it. It's like he's a professional wide receiver. The dude needs to be out there. 
Yeah, well, my opinion on the fact was he's a big guy. He can win 50-50 throws. So, like, even if he doesn't know the playbook, as a wide receiver, you don't need to know the playbook. I mean, you should know the playbook. You should know the audibles. At the end of the day, the quarterback can literally say, this is what you're doing on this play. Um, They could have brought him out there just as a decoy. Um, I can't imagine he's going to play a lot of snaps this week either. But again, you you send him out there, and who knows – just for the fact of doing it, you use him as someone that can catch a ball that's thrown downfield, even though he doesn't have the speed, but he has the size where if it's a one-on-one matchup, Tyrod Taylor should feel comfortable saying, hey, it's third and 12, what I got to lose throwing a 40-yard pass downfield. It's either going to be caught or an interception, but an interception 40 yards downfield is like a punt. So he's got to not be so afraid to protect his quarterback rating. Interceptions are not always bad. Like, there are bad interceptions, and there's some that are they're okay. They're, they're things you can live with if you're throwing the ball down the field because that's going to move the front seven back. You're not going to have seven, eight people in the box all the time. And if you don't, that's going to create a better matchup for LaShawn McCoy out of the backfield. Ooh, 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 ooh. I got to jump in. And then, Kevin, are you still with us? Kevin? I'm still here. Okay, okay. No, uh, and then you're going to have to follow up on this. But here's one thing I want to bring up. I mean, oh, every time I think about it, I forget the podcast about it. One thing that really irks me is we got wind earlier in the year that Tyrod Taylor sounds like he cannot audible out of stuff or whatever the hell. I want to get to the bottom of that and figure out what the real story is because Tyrod Taylor is not dumb. And when you got eight guys in the box, I'm at these games and you're seeing these safeties just creep down and it's like, throw it. You got Tony Romo blasting, hey, 10 out of 10, I'm throwing that ball. If you're going to disrespect me like that, are you stupid? And here's a game, you know, against the Jets. And it's like, how do you guys not change it up? No screen passes? Like, build up a little confidence here. You know what I mean? It's like, they, they, they don't seem... It's like, okay, yeah, you might have the first... It's like the Bills defensive ranks is, I believe, like, what, 22nd? So, if I think about it, that number is really skewed because they have no offensive production. I mean... It's ridiculous. You have the first 15 plays are scripted. Meanwhile, you got like six points in the first quarter in the last few games and seven points in the, the in the first drive, third quarter, or what, third quarter all year, something crazy? I don't know. It's like this team is like I don't have – they're lucky they are where, they, the, where they're at. And it's like I just want them to adjust accordingly and, and make decisions faster. Like if you're – if you're not making it every game through your first 15 plays with success, I think you got to immediately be like, well, we we got to stop driving this square peg in a round hole with whatever it is. And if that means Tyrod Taylor can audible into a pass, like, please, by all means, let the kid play the position. You know what I mean? So where do you sit offensively, Kevin? Is this team going to – do you think they're going to pick it up? I mean, what are – they can't sustain a drive – it seems well, to save their life. Yeah, I mean, you you can you can state from their ability to, and we're we're running some numbers now to prove um, some statistics around this. But you, you can't take away from the ability to be missing a player or two of stature, uh, such as a Charles Clay, who they you know kind of built their whole twelve personnel around. Um, you know, you you can't state how much that affects your offense, and you know, bringing in a guy like Nick O'Leary. Well, pretty unproductive at his position. Um, he actually isn't as good of a blocker as many would like. He's actually pretty unproductive in the receiving game. Coughed up a big fumble in his opportunity last week when the game wasn't quite over yet. Um, you know, those are things that you can't you can't just stand up and then like drop the ball because you know you weren't touched. Um, that's just pretty poor. Um, you know, pretty poor football there. Uh, so it is. I mean, tight ends a really important position on on a Rick Dennison offense, and when you're missing potentially a top 10 tight end um you're not going to rebound from that very easily you know that was the ability to bring in a guy like calvin benjamin who's going to play like a tight end um and that's you know that's kind of the theory there is you're getting a guy that's 6'5 240 pounds who's going to be able to win uh you don't really like to use 50 50 balls because even the quarterbacks that throw 50 50 balls don't do it as often as people think um and you know you really don't want to be in a situation where it's a true 50-50 because literally the term means 50% of the time the defensive back comes out with it, 50% of the time the receiver comes out with it. Uh, you want your odds to always be better than that, even if it's truly like an 80-20 ball 
um, something along those lines. So you definitely don't want to ever gamble with a 50-50 ball because um, uh, a turnover and Tyrod plays this way and, and, and McDermott makes him play this way, as he said today in his press conference. Those limited turnovers are what makes Tyrod Taylor Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor, I think, is a very, very, very smart person, um, especially work ethic-wise. When he's going through camp, um, or or I should say his contract situation, he made it a point to be around the facility and work out through his injury, and McDermott actually acknowledged that a few press conferences ago. And, exactly. And, and I look at a guy like Tyrod Taylor, a transitionist conversation. Um, I have a podcast lined up with Matt Brunson, the guitar player from Crowbar, who is a, a huge New Orleans Saints fan. And uh, his second team is the Bills. And one player comp thing I was going to do, peace, I was going to make it what I always call those timeless podcasts where you can listen to it a year from now and check it out. Don't matter. And it's going to be essentially, can Tyrod Taylor become or model his game towards Drew Brees? If not, why not? You know, and, and he actually said, yes, I think so. And it's interesting because he watches the Bills and the Saints, so I can't wait to hear from him before or after the game. It doesn't matter. Um, but it, it's going to be really interesting to hear his thoughts because he watches both of those guys very close, and I think Drew Brees is so underrated. I mean, it's, a, it's just like, oh, another 5,000-yard season? Oh, what else is new? Hey, Drew. You know, in... in he finds passing lanes. He can clearly find the space in defense. Very, uh, you know, second nature. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'd be interested to see. Do you think we're at the ceiling with Tyrod Taylor, or do you guys, you know, I'll throw it to you guys. Do you guys think that he could do anything to, you know, pattern his game after Drew Brees? I mean, measurable wise, he's right there. And I don't think Tyrod Taylor's dumb. And I think if you look at Andy Reid with Alex Smith, I, I mean, come on. The Eagles, McNabb, he had to learn how to become a pocket quarterback. But you're not going to get better being on the sidelines for four years. You know what I'm saying? So I give him the benefit of the doubt. These quarterbacks can play till they're older. Look at McCown. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think they're still developing to be done. Um, I mean, you, you, he's only been a third-year starter. You know, look at the development that even a second-year starter in Goss and uh, Wentz are able to do. You know, there's still development. He's actually rising from his numbers last year um, with limited weapons. I mean, I, you could you can make an argument that although they have a few names like Jordan Matthews, A. Jones, um, you know, outside of that, they've actually been very unproductive in their route-running percentages. So you can say that he has some of the worst options um, in the NFL. Um, and has been minorly productive with it. So, you know, those, those, those are development pieces to me. He's actually turning the ball over less than he has in, in, in his career. Um, you know, he has two interceptions at this point, um, which is actually on pace for uh, already a limited amount as he's already a limited amount turnover guy in the first place. So you're already talking about a guy who literally gives you a chance to win because the other team's not getting uh, field position changes. Um, but you can't have your receiver dropping the ball on a, on a 30-yard pass on third down where he's fumbling the ball. Um, because he stood up and didn't know he wasn't touched. I mean, that's just right. an egregiously poor play. Jordan Matthews can't fumble the ball reaching out for a first down in field goal range and hitting the ball out of his own hands. I mean, that's just clown shoes. Yeah, no, and part of the other thing, Tyrod Taylor, and I don't, we don't know if it's Tyrod Taylor or the lack of confidence from the coaching staff because he can't just go to the, the line and throw an audible in there. He has to – be given that permission so he can't exactly line up with drew Brees in that sense because drew Brees has established himself and he has that free room so no matter what the play is on the field at any given time he can change it i don't believe tyrod taylor has that ability um so it's something that he is going to have to earn over time and if he continues to play better i think the better you do, the looser the reins become on you. Um, and with his abilities, the more he can make uh, decisions at the line, I think it would be better for them as a whole because when you're out there, even though the coaching staff and the people up in the booth can see things, you can see things that they can't see from a field level. Um, so I think going forward, if he continues to prove himself. And part of that is to what, he was Kevin was saying the wide receivers have to make plays. I mean, you can't drop the ball. I mean, prior to last game, Zay Jones, his catch percentage was the worst in the NFL. So you can't expect everything to be the quarterback's fault. I mean, 
even though everyone points to the quarterback, a lot of the deficiencies that they were having, they weren't sustaining drives as a team because they weren't making plays on third down at the wide receiver spot. People weren't getting open. We had line troubles where people weren't holding blocks and not even just holding blocks, but they were letting people go free reign. So these are things that you can't do at all. You have to work as a cohesive unit um, and they're starting to do that. So like I said, we'll see how they perform this weekend. They have, they have all the ability in the world to come out with a victory this weekend. It's just how do they perform? Kevin? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you, you know, one one of the biggest, you know, things that you have to remember about Tyrod Taylor is he can only be, he's only going to do what he's given. And he's not going to go up and check out audibles. I mean, he, he knew five-man rushes were coming at him and his offensive line was just losing. That's another factor that we haven't discussed. And Cordy Glenn's out this weekend good because he played terrible on Thursday. Uh, you're not going to get a much worse individual game than you saw out of him on, on a three- or four-day rest there. So, um, you know, Dawkins getting in there is, isn't going to be a downgrade at all um, from his performance um, on Thursday night. And, uh, you know, glad cost is miserable. He's, after playing a couple of good games, in my opinion, he, he's he's been miserable in the last game or two. Um, and, you know, a guy that's worth benching, there's three agents, in my opinion, that are better than him. So, um, you know, if, if, if you look at it on a perspective of what can this guy do, you know, people are saying, well, Zay Jones's targets weren't, his fault, Tyrod Taylor's putting it everywhere. Well, I mean, if Odell Beckham Jr. only made catches in his hands, I mean, he wouldn't be Odell Beckham Jr., uh, can right? Can we just can we just go consider the source on some of this? I mean, where are people reading these tire fires, you know? And, and it's kind of weird. Like, the media, since the national... The, the biggest blunder about the Bills playing... Sorry to digress this combo, Kevin, but... Uh, you know, the biggest blunder of the Bills playing on national TV is we want to be proud of the team, and we are. And it's like, yeah, are, are the Bills for real? And then they pretty much shit on themselves somehow. And whether it's the fall of the short turnaround week, it's not really good to say that after uh, you just had a bye week. That said, if you're in a Cordy Glenn situation, like, man, you're just getting us back to health, and now we got a turnaround in two weeks because our you know, that's that's quick. And and now they had a little bit more time to themselves. And I'm glad to see the team coming together and doing their thing. But, man, this coaching staff really, Kevin, needs to make adjustments a lot quicker. I mean, we're talking eight games in. We don't know the starting five when all of us know the starting five that should be out there. Okay, why would you want to not have the same communication that you've had up front for two years prior is beyond me? It does not make any sense not to have Miller in there or not. I don't care how bad Miller was playing. That You can't tell me he's worse than Ducasse. Is he? I don't know. But there, there's things that there they've all points, done, right? There was points this season where he definitely was playing pretty poorly. And, you know, it's a production-based business. And I can see them making a move. But it's not like they're making a move to a guy who's been um, okay. I mean, they're making a move to a guy that had a good game and then apparently gets seven or eight three games after having like a game or two that are pretty decent. So, you know, you have a guy that you paid pretty good backup money to and, and Ryan Groy and you're not going to play him. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's an interesting decision. Well, what about, I think what's that, Mike? Part of it too is that I don't know if the staff themselves is sold on the season, although they'll tell you that they are and, you know, they want to make the playoffs this year. They are too still trying to build for the future. So I think part of their decision-making goes to, well, yeah, we're doing good now, but they've seen the rest of the schedule, and it's no cupcake the rest of the way. So part of their decision-making between the people they put out on the field could be cap persis- or cap reasons and decisions that they're making for the future because they want to see what they have in the players that they have so they know next year going into the draft where they need to address. Yeah, I mean, you, you could you can say that on, on certain position groups, but going to a veteran journeyman of Ladu Cost, I don't think would justify that. I mean, he's on a on a pretty low paying cap deal. I mean, you know what he is playing, you know, close to sixty games in the NFL. Um, I don't see why you're. That would mean that you would play Miller in that my case, where you'd play a guy that's mm-hmm. the two years left on a pretty rookie deal. Um, you know, nothing really to lose. But you're going to a veteran journeyman who you're thinking is going to help you win a game, not. Um, that you're you know necessarily trying to have in your plans for the long term. So it is interesting decisions. Um, you know, you're making a move for Calvin Benjamin, which I do I do agree that the, that the team hadn't bought it in until about uh, that Oakland victory. Um, 
at that point, you go out and trade a three and a seven to get a player of a wide receiver one talent. Um, you, you know, at that point, you've bought an in. You've traded away those assets you've acquired. Uh, you need you need that production and almost immediately in the return on that investment um, to help you win football games. And I think the Saints game goes a long way to show you how good you are. It's your first real opponent beside Carolina um, that's going to be in the playoffs. So, um, you know, you, you're going to need to make adjustments, see how you play against them, and see where you stack up. Because I'm not saying a three-point loss means one thing or another, but getting blown out by them might show you that, you know, a 5-4 and four team with a pretty difficult schedule doesn't mean much. That's why you need to take care of the Saints at home. I'll tell you. Absolutely. I'll, 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 tell, I'll tell you. Uh, I was thinking about this thing. Um, when you got... When you got things like uh, like Zay Jones dropping a lot of balls, okay, and we're talking about cohesion chemistry, I don't see a reason that you want to disrupt the the, the five people up there. I understand you have a scheme change, but they maybe maybe Miller would be a lot better if he didn't have to look over his shoulder and had the pressure turned up. Where it's like, yo, here's my slot. Ducas can show me the system, grow me up, and then let's see what really happens. But no, they immediately tried putting Ducas in there and I understand he does things better because he's played within that scheme before it's just it doesn't add up when things come down the coaches want to talk about accountability accountability well at the end of the year when you want to evaluate Tyrod Taylor and Zay Jones had five drops out of seven targets or I don't I shouldn't say five drops but you you get what I'm saying like three to four uh, and, and that happens per you know consistently Kevin your 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 thing your your long term thinking point makes a lot of sense because they're really just just stay out there just stay out there Zay just stay out there Zay because to me Deontay Thompson earned the spot you know and and, and even Tate I think is way sure-handed better than Zay Jones. But no, we're going to keep Zay Jones in. And, and I want the team as a fan to win games. I'm not trying to crush Zay Jones, but I don't want him under unnecessary pressure. I really well, don't. he performed last week, I mean, unfortunately, now where I disagree with the team, he clearly got hurt. And even when he came back in the game, he had been productive, but they – put him back out there you could see after the first catch he made when he came back in the game he was not okay and you invested in that player and part of that should be invested in their well-being and they did not do that last thursday you could clearly see he should not have come back into the game after his first catch um and then he i don't know the extent of the injury but he injured himself further because he was out there, which he should not have been. And that was on the coaches. They should have seen it. I seen it from the television. There's no way they couldn't have seen it from the sidelines. Anything, Kevin, on that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a medical concern. So, like, you know, they'll go and tell you that he was cleared, and then also he cleared himself. So you have, you have a factor when you're going to have a doctor that's going to clear you. You kind of saw it a little bit with Russell Wilson yesterday. You know, the doctor the doctor's going to clear you. Um, and then you're going to say you feel fine yourself. There's nothing more coaching staff can do than listen to the doctor and then listen to the player. So, um, unfortunately, in that situation, maybe he was cleared and he felt fine, but he went out there and ran his first route, and clearly he wasn't right from that point. But, you know, you look at, you know, Zay Jones, to me, I, I, I'm fine with him sitting out. I mean, I think he's actually, even with his first half that he had last week, uh, which, you know, wasn't even that good. You're talking 50 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you're talking about a pretty good, you know, change for him. Um, you're not talking about a guy that went for 180 and, and AJ Green numbers, um, you know. So you're you're really looking at it and you're hoping that he's playing better. But he's actually still one of the most unproductive receivers in the NFL. I mean, you can argue to your blue in the face whether he's dropping the ball or he's not, you know, seeing it into his hands or uh, the that throws bad or what's going on. But the point is, is, you can't lie with the stats that for the targets he's received and the amount of snaps he's played, he's super unproductive. I just don't like knowing that Mike Smith can run the Bills' offense better. I'm not kidding. You know what I mean? I don't like to know that. And 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 it's like they everybody talks about football. Okay, it's a game of mismatches. Well, we'll get the fucking mismatches out there. Okay, guys? Like the, I don't un, I, it it just it, it it's like you have LaShawn McCoy and I hate the stigma that players come to Buffalo and rot. And here we go. His his worst season ever. You know? And Yeah, LaShawn McCoy to be noted. It's we're actually running more pass snaps than he has in his career, and he's actually pretty been pretty unproductive in his snaps. You know, no one's really been helping Tyrod in the passing game. 
Um, you know, he still has McCoy still has a dynamic first step in running in the running game and, and in the hole when he's getting blocking. But he's been pretty unproductive and for the amount of snaps he's received and the percentage of catches he's making per route. So if you look at that, you know, you're throwing Tyrod Taylor with a five man offensive line more than anyone in the offensive uh in the offensive NFL, meaning he's only having five guys blocking for him. You're not keeping an extra tight ending. You're not keeping a running back in. How he's do you, up against five men. How do you not? How do you not? When you see Cordy Glenn getting his ass on roller skates, how do you not help the guy out? I think they Morgan and I talked about that. Like, like yeah, it's I, oh, oh, it's not in the game plan. It's not in the game plan. Really? Okay, well, here's my fucking game plan, okay? I press triangle or whatever or circle, whatever button gets the little circle thing over to the tight end on the right side. <laughs> I motion him to the left, okay? I hot route that motherfucker into block, and then Tyrod Taylor hits a, like, just like a nanosecond more. Okay, like, yeah, stop mean, it. Let, let's stop pretending this is rocket science that, here. That, the issue, even though it is a five-man front, when you have five people blocking, you have five people rushing, at the very least, there should be a man on a man. There's been cases where people have, the Bills have five people blocking, and there's five people rushing, yet there's a free man going at the quarterback. And that's a breakdown of communication. Um, That's something that just shouldn't happen in general. So, although the Bills, to my chagrin, switched from (laughs) what was working for them offensively and they've tried to use a different running style than the zone offense in which they used last year. That's more to a coaching point that says, you know, we're going to do it our way and our way works. When you already had two years of data on this Buffalo Bills offense, you you could have easily walked through the door and said, what do we do good? What do we do bad? You could have said, This offensive run scheme works very well for these guys. These guys can perform this scheme very well. And that's what good coaches do. So I'm still not sure how well these guys are going to be going forward because good coaches take what their players can do well and they implement that. They don't implement their scheme, their ideas into the players and say, no, we're going to run this. Because when you do that, you get the Rex Wilson or – Rex's defenses and you go from first or top five down to bottom five. Ooh, ooh. So it's it's something that that we have to see going forward, but they were one of the best run offenses the last two years, and now they've changed their scheme and they're trying to force these players to adapt. And change is not easy for anyone. So if you can do what works you stick with it because it works. It's it's simple. Um, well, so, Mike, let me jump in here. Let me jump in here because this is where I, I've said it a lot of podcasts. It seems like every time I reiterate the point. Okay, Sean McDermott comes in. We could pull all the quotes from anybody that gets hired. Okay, and I say, guys, let's give them time. Ladies, let's give them time. Let's, let's, let's let this work out here. And let him prove it because not one coaching staff can come in and maintain shit because everyone else knows something better. And you know what the problems we didn't have were a glaring offensive line need minus maybe right tackles in for questioning. But it's like, you know, we were pretty solid and they come in and they undo it. And it's like all because a guy might be a man of faith or insert whatever you like here. It's not bashing on that or whatever. It's whatever you like. All because this guy doesn't have a big mouth. He's really calm and collective. And, oh, man, you got to see his demeanor on the sidelines. When Sean McDermott says something, you just listen, you fall in line. That's great. But if this team, you're hung up that this defense looks that much better, well, look at the numbers and then tell me this bend don't break. It's a bend don't break. Well, they're, they're, they're lucky. They're getting turnovers. And not for nothing, the Bills aren't getting points off the turnovers. And the coaches are going to hang their hats on the turnovers. Well, that's great. But these guys do not anoint this coaching staff like it's not anything different. And right now, when you're eight games in and you still have an offensive line that can't figure it the fuck out after a bye week it's pretty fucked up frankly excuse my french here guys but like let's hold and pump the brakes support the team i'm glad to see them do the right thing here and work hard at figuring this out and it seems like the coaching staff is taking implement implementation from the players which is good at the same time 
it should have never been this way. So that's my rant on that. I mean, I, I guess yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking at it from a pure perspective of uh, last season, but you know they're going to stand up there and say, you know, we are tailoring to their players' strengths. Um, you know, this is how we, you know, yeah. Well, offense. we got we have new holes that we have to think about for the draft that we're loaded in. Oh, good thing we blew up everything. You know, like, good thing we put a lot of pressure on this receiver that can't handle it. You know, it's unfair to Zay Jones to have that much pressure. It really is, you know, but it's not their fault, Bolden retired. It's not their fault, whatever. At the, you know, at the same time, we don't know the whole story on that either. He could have just been out of shape looking like shit, and maybe they wanted to cut him. I don't know. I part of that was Bolden saw the writing on the wall when they shipped Sammy Watkins out there and he made a decision that this team is not going in the right direction. So I think that was part of his decision. I don't can't speak 100%, but I know as a former athlete, I would have been thinking something like that. He knew at that point in his career, he was not meant to be a number one receiver. And that's the position he was going to be left in um, after they traded um, yeah, I mean, a number one receiver for potentially a four twelve team is what he's thinking. So, um, you know, he he easily left. I mean, he claims it was for social work. I mean, you don't really know. Uh, you got to take him at his word. He's one of the most um, well respected guys in the league. So, right, I guess you got to take right. him for what he said. Um, you know, I you got to say if his heart wasn't in it, his heart was his heart wasn't in it. Doesn't really matter why. Um, so, you know, there's that. I mean, but you're looking at a. a a coaching staff that was able to redo a, a, a terrible secondary too. So, you know, you, you took one of the worst safety plays in the league. You took, you know, Darby who wasn't playing very good, Gilmore who's hit and miss, and, and, and you're revamping it to have one of the better secondaries in the NFL. So you got to give him a credit there. You definitely oh, absolutely. Do. What he's done with the defense, and, and Dave, I know you call it the bend don't break and check the numbers, but at the end of the day, it's not how much you stop the other team from getting yardage. It's how many points you don't allow them to put on the board, which the Bills had been doing very well up to last week because that's the most important thing. I mean, even if you play Madden, I mean, how many situations are you in where you're like, oh, I just ran up the field. Well, once you hit that red zone, it's a whole different game. And the Bills have made – you know, leaps and bounds over what they did the last two seasons. Oh, with hand, hands down, they're situationally a lot better. And and I'm not trying to bash on the defense because, as I said in the beginning, I'm trying to look at this objectively and, and give every kind of take. And I'm not going to come off my point about the check the numbers thing because at the same time, uh, because of, yeah, so here I go. Um, if the offense had production, it's not – the 22nd ranked defense it's more time off the clock it's guys that aren't fatigued it's so many things maybe not as many injuries you know and because you don't you know you just take out that variable because there's less time on the clock to put those that that defense under fire you know what i mean so it's like oh there's no doubt about that, that. I, I, I think they could be a, a, drops a and turnovers, they've definitely put themselves at a disadvantage not even just last game, but games prior, but they had been able to make up for it elsewhere. But yeah, you have to you have to catch those third down balls. It doesn't matter if it's not right on you. If it's in your hands or it is a catchable play, you have to go to the ground. You have to leave the ground and go up and get that ball. You have to be confident that you're going to come down with it. Um, and countless times even though zay jones is the big culprit in the bunch he's not the only one that was you know coming up short when the bills truly needed a play to you know prolong a drive so um like i said it'll be nice to see the dynamic that um calvin benjamin adds this weekend so i'm excited and i definitely think we have a solid shot to remain undefeated at home even though Drew Brees is going to come to town and he is going to make adjustments if the Bills do come out strong this weekend. Kevin, what do you got coming up on, uh, is it cover1.net, Locked on Bills? Uh, what do you got? You said you had something you wanted to talk about and if there's any way we can roll the conversation to that and get on out of here, let us know. 
Yeah, I mean, so locked on, you know, we podcast about two or three times per week live. Uh, we'll have a breakdown show, a crossover show, uh, do a lot of cool things. Um, you can find us at Locked On Bills. You know, between Nate Geary, myself, Eric Turner, we'll about three shows per week. So you look forward to those. I mean, one of the biggest things I'm working on right now is um, the passing game and why they're keeping no one in the block um, and still allowing sacks. So I'm really getting into Bills trying to prove that the Bills actually leave five men the most in the NFL um, because they think that Tyrod can get out of it. And that's kind of the way that they play now. And conversely, how unproductive five receivers have been. Hey, Kevin, 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 Kevin. Yes. Roll back about 15 seconds. We had a little bit of a breakup in there. So you said um, pretty much come off the point of your thing has to do with uh, the Bills leave Tyrod in there with five men the most in the yes, NFL. So, yep. So you, you have Tyrod being left in there with five men the most, and you have to you know really account for him being able to create his own time as he does because it's certainly not his offensive line creating him 3.1 seconds in the pocket. Um, it's him creating his own time. So you know I'm going to go and prove that it's Tyrod, uh, Tyrod's ability, and then conversely, I'm going to show how unproductive the five receivers have been, whether it's been a running back, whether it's been two tight ends, whether it's been three receivers, depending on the set. They should actually be out in spread formation, the amount of five wide receivers they run, uh, five eligible receivers, I should say, that they run. They might as well go spread. Yeah, and to further what he's saying, like the inept that those receivers have been in the tailback side of the backfield, like the Jets schemed very well last week to pick up on the fact that they – they were rushing five, but they were actually – they started off with a four-man rush, and it was more like a four-man rush QB hybrid spy. So as soon as the pocket would collapse with the four-man rush, that fifth rusher who was QB spying the whole time, he just came. And then he closed the ability for Tyrod Taylor to get out of the pocket, which Tyrod had been doing all season long. The pocket was collapsing, and he was making the play – they schemed where they said, okay, rush the four, keep this guy real close, and the moment you see Tyrod panic, the, the moment he's about to get out, you close the pocket and you make the play. And it worked amazingly last weekend. So I agree. They, I would like to see, and it's not uncommon, there needs to be plays where we protect him with six or seven, send out less receivers, give the quarterback more time, give the receivers more time to get open, especially if you want to go downfield with the ball. So, Yeah, I mean, if you look at 3.1 seconds per throw, best in the NFL, you combine that with five eligible receivers equals terribly um, terrible, produ- terribly unproductive wide receiving. Whether, once again, no matter what position group it's coming from, you've been having some terrible production from the wide receiver group. You've been having some terrible tight end production, minus Charles Clay. And you've actually had some bad running back production out of the backfield. You have five eligible receivers. You have 3.1 seconds to throw the ball. Um, those don't mesh. No, it's a, it's a good combination for the defense, and it's a very bad combination for the quarterback who has been on the ground very, very often. So, And it sucks because I feel like we're seeing the best Tyrod Taylor we've we've honestly ever seen. Potentially, and, right. And you that's know? potentially what the topic would be is if kind of you saw it a little bit in the second half when the game was a little bit out of hand, but just go five wide. I mean, go four by one, put four, you know, four receivers to tight end or four by one with a four and a running back. And you know, attack it that way because you're doing the same thing anyway. Five man, you have a five man offensive line. You have 3.1 seconds to throw. You might as well spread the defense out and not let them to rush five. These guys yeah, know what they got to the do. Spread the defense out and throw the ball to the outside. I mean, if there's no more evidence than Tony Romo just laughing at the Bills and not to continue to go outside the hash marks. Um, I mean, I don't know what more you need than a Pro Bowl quarterback saying, hey, that's where you should be throwing to right now and every single time until they change something with their scheme, which they didn't have to do because the Bills never committed to anything outside the hashes. So, Well, what is good is that the, the Jets put on the five-man rush on film. They've been able to study for 10 days, and you know the Bills will be prepared for it. Um, as, as compared to seeing that later in the year, which maybe with maybe a, a backbreaking game against, um, you know, who knows the Dolphins or something um, that you need to have. So you know, it's good to get that game. You know, they, they're going to be used to that more. They, they weren't expecting the Jets to come out and kind of play that style of defense. 
Okay, Mike, you have anything else left to put on the table here? I'm honestly just going to wrap up, hit pause, and uh, shoot this game with no, you guys. No, that's about it. I mean, uh, I agree. The Bills, they got to change some things, try to protect the quarterback better. Um, they need to show that they have the ability to make adjustments, and if they can, then they can prove to be a more difficult team to handle. So we'll see come Sunday. Okay. Um, well, everybody, that's Numb Bills Fan Podcast number 155 thank you for tagging along uh expect more podcasts a little bit sooner was holding up for matt here from crowbar can't wait to get him on um but the bill should be going well i might slip in a podcast with mike never asked him but maybe something with fantasy sometime or life itself again but again numbillsfan.com cover1.net grandstand sports network and punch trunk sports um you know Advertise it a million times. Just check them out. And uh, have a good night. And um, Kevin, Kevin Masseri, K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E on Twitter. And Mike Smith, do you even have any social networking besides Facebook? You know, I'm mad at Twitter right now because I tried and then it just created a Twitter account for me. It gave me like Mike S and like 12 numbers. So... Maybe it's because I was doing it for my phone. I don't know. Dude, I don't think I like Twitter, man. I think Twitter's outdated. I think it's stupid. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, Dave, I just showed you evidence of, you know, the value of your ticket. So, you know, just let you know, buddy. Close out with that. Well, what do you know? Money Mike with no money. I'm trying to bust my fucking balls again. <laughs> like, I, I got money. I'm just not trying to waste it. Why spend $160 on two tickets when I can spend $60 on two tickets and have much better seats? Come on, Dave. I'm trying to help you. You're getting this kind of company. I mean, it's priceless. Again. How about you, be, how about you do like a 40 ticket, Dave? Like something like, like that. Yeah, see, Dave, listen to Kevin. He knows what Dude, when my when Dude, when my shit is together, and I didn't even pause this yet, when my shit is together and my house is done, like, I really want to have, like, a regular, like, idiot Mike comes over scheduled. You know what I mean? Like, I would love that. Like, I want to do, I want to do, honestly, Twitch with you or something and play Madden online and just talk mad shit like we would do. I mean, it would be hilarious. It's, like, what I want to do. And it it's would just be I gotta make Dave getting his ass. Oh, whooped. Kevin, Mike, Mike beat my ass so bad in Madden one time. Like Kevin actually started like this franchise, like draft league. Mike, you would have loved oh, it. Oh yeah, those are fun. And I'm like, oh, how long is the draft gonna take? Oh, like I don't know, like 15 minutes. Like two and a half fucking hours later, I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, because people were taking like a minute per pick. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> No, I got kicked out of a league. So I was in a league, and a player says the guy with a Pokemon shirt. Of course, I was throwing it to my tight end. I threw it to my tight end that game seven times. I mean, I happened to have the best tight end in the league at the time, but I threw it to him seven times. And the commissioner, and this was a playoff game, so pissed me off, and this is why I left the league. So the commissioner listens to this guy's rant. He suspends me for one week which just happened to be the week in which I was going to play him in the playoffs so I'm like screw this league I'm out of here and I've never looked back so yeah (laughs) tight end so I mean and that's not even like over using the targets like I mean my wide receiver had 10 targets so like yeah I I get it if you had like 20 that's starting to get egregious Exactly. And I had seven, and I was very productive with myself. Dude. Six catches and seven attempts. But I used them sparingly. It was mostly on, you know, you go to your, your go-to guy on uh, third down. So he was my guy. Hey, and not to mention, I had that character built up to be like a 98 <laughs> overall tight end. So it's not like I was just using a tight end. It's I was using him because he was literally one of the highest ranked players in the entire league because he had been tearing shit up because he was so fast. He had the ability by He was like a perfect tight end like like dream tight end like we could use one in buffalo but um you know it's just a game mike I, i used to i used to go to him and uh and uh or kevin i used to go to mike's house 
and uh, him and his girl got a trailer before they bought their house. So I bartered off painting his trailer for Madden School with Mike, and I would sit there and he'd be like, "Yo, Dave, let's play Madden." I'm like, "Okay," and he goes, "I'm just gonna run the ball on you." And, and I'm never gonna pass once. And he like fucking blew me out. And I'm like ready to like just full charge. Four hundred rushing yards later, Dave got destroyed. <laughs> He's so bad. And then in passing, his brother Danny goes, "Oh yeah, you just gotta play quarters coverage or uh or not. You gotta play um the fuck did he say? He goes, yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. You cover two man and just press, just just press him. And then he's just fucked. And ever since I did that, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's, it's yeah, that doesn't work either. I don't know, man. So. My winning percentage, I haven't played you many times on purpose, but because I've been keeping my winning percentage <laughs> up the last two years, I have won more games, and, and I'm better than ever now, I and mean, I, yeah, I don't yeah. even fucking play. I, I'd probably fucking smoke you out. You're a fucking joke. And Madden, Madden, you have to play zone. I mean, I play zones, and it's... I mean, it's, if you're man-to-man, you're going to get crushed with all of them. I have a script to see what you fucking idiots are bad at. Okay, and I'll eventually crack the nut, and I'll be over here like McDermott with my fucking notepad. See, okay, I, I, uh, I do a hybrid D. I do cross between man and zone. Ooh. So like, just when you think you're you got a nice zone coverage and you're gonna hit that open spot, boom, it's man. He's on you, and now your timing is off, and then bam, sack. Now I do rush a lot when it comes to Madden. Like I think my rush percentage, like blitzing. I blitz like 50% of the time. Like I'm always zone blitzing, man blitzing, uh, man zone blitzing. Like between the combinations, like my whole thing is if the quarterback's down, he can't throw the ball. So, I mean, you can get burned pretty badly doing that, but um, it's worth the risk. Yeah, makes it more fun. Hey, Dave, all right, well, I got to take off, dude. It was nice talking to you. All right, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. I'll see you, bud. Gotcha. See you guys later. Mike. Yes, Dave. Did you kill your podcast? No, this is uh, no. still going. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I guess uh, it's a good time. No, Bill seeing podcast. I just like I have all these notes of what are we talking about, and I put Madden franchise draft league. Mike's Madden schools, mad strategies, Madden strategies. Yeah, dude, I really want to yeah. do honestly like a serious Madden podcast. If you're ever down. Um, I do, we are still rolling. I w- have been in touch on Twitter with one of the developers. Um, he is a Bills fan. So, um, but I got to really? I gotta hound him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. You know a developer? I need to talk to this guy just because I get pissed off. No, no. If you, stupid stuff. To the, if we're going to continue this conversation for another minute here, if you actually approach Madden respectfully, like the, the people there, they will get back to you on Twitter. And you just can't be an asshole. Oh, what the fuck? These fucking idiots with the same play. And every year I end up in a loop of would 2K have been better than Madden? Would 2K? And don't get me wrong. It's like now all of a sudden people are suctioning their tackles again that I thought Madden got rid of a few years ago. You know, it's like there are certain little things where like you hit turbo through the hole. All of a sudden they peel off the blocks. I fucking hate that. My thing was like this year with this year is – the inability to guard the underneath like it doesn't matter whether you're playing man or zone or press or man zone press zone press man like it doesn't matter there's always someone that will eventually be so open and it's not like it's not even that they're open because I'm fine with them being open at two yards it's the fact that they catch it in stride and then they always pick up like way too many yards and it's like come on and the back the the linebackers will still be in a back battle even though they see the guy catching the ball right there next to him so instead of watching them catch the ball and making the tackle it's a six yard play instead of a two yard play it's just annoying and like i literally played a kid the other day and he didn't do anything other than crossing routes underneath and underneath, that's all he did all game long. He didn't throw a pass beyond five yards the entire game. And I couldn't do anything to stop him because you can't get to a quarterback when that's the case. Um, and then, like, I even tried to the point where I wasn't even rushing anybody. I had, like, it's when you split your, uh, your tight ends and they kind of flare out. So it's almost as if you have ten people in coverage still did not do um anything so 
you know, that's my only beef with the game. Those underneaths, they got to go. Yeah, that's the thing is they're kind of a little bit cheap. Um, Mike, let me pause this. Everybody, numbillsfan.com, thank you for checking out. Because um, I got to bounce in a sec, but I want to still keep shooting the skinny. Um, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And check back uh, right probably right after the game. I'll call Mike or somebody up, whoever wants to talk and talk about it. I'd like to get these podcasts in right after the game. And uh, take care. Bye, Mike. Uh, at least here. See ya.